Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So remember when CNN was reporting from Kenosha, Wisconsin, as the city was being burnt down after the shooting of Jacob Blake, who, by the way, it was a justified police shooting. But remember the Chiron read fiery, but mostly peaceful as buildings burnt in the background? We're going to talk to the author of the book, Fiery, But Mostly Peaceful, about the breakdown of law and order in the country. He was at the front lines of these Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots. He followed them on the ground around the country. He's also been at the southern border multiple times, reporting from there as well. And he's also a Marine. So he has been on the front lines in multiple arenas. He recently testified before the House Homeland Security Committee. Listen to this exchange. You're trying to get us, uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which Mr. Rosas, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity, has overruled the FBI director who says, there's a headline, says Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. No, no, no. Let's not listen to the FBI director. Let's listen to, sorry, what's your, your title? Senior writer at Town Hall, who is going to tell us that the FBI director is wrong. And I'd like to yes. introduce, there's no question. I think it's funny to be, to be lectured by an heir to the Levi Strauss uh, Corporation. And, and that, honestly, that's probably why he uh, doesn't consider property damage to be that big of a deal, because not only does he have that, but he also has uh, what some would describe an impossibly good stock portfolio. Um, but what I can tell you is that in these riots that happened uh, three years ago, they... Uh, yes, big corporations uh, did suffer damage and looting, such as Target. That, that would happen in Minneapolis. Uh, but a lot of the businesses, they were small businesses. They didn't come from multi-million dollar uh, families or, or corporations. We'll talk a little bit about his experiences testifying before the committee about left-wing violence in the country. And also just get his thoughts about the breakdown of law and order. Why is it happening? What has he seen? That's all from Julia Rosas, senior writer, for Town Hall and the author of Fiery But Mostly Peaceful. Stay with us.
Julio, it's great to have you on my fellow Floridia and great to have you on the show. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great time to be down in Florida. It is it is the life, isn't it? And you left uh you were in the DC area, right? Before? Yes, for six years i'd say four years too many i bet you don't miss it at all <laughs> no no not not one well i miss some of the people i mean i i will but overall um i'm good with not going back for a while you're at the border currently correct yes yes i'm currently uh in the del rio uh sector uh the one of the reasons why that i'm here is because speaking of florida uh governor ron DeSantis sent additional uh, law enforcement and military personnel to help out the state of Texas to address the still ongoing border crisis. And for for this region, uh, the big problem, and this has been a systemic problem down here, are the gotaways, right? So this is the little bit harder to see aspect of, of, of the crisis because these people aren't necessarily the families, um, the kids who are willingly giving themselves up to Border Patrol. They are the ones who are actively for one reason or another, trying to avoid apprehension and to get into the United States 100% uh, and say uh, 100% illegal, um, as opposed to trying to, you know, with the families and stuff, uh, trying to go through the asylum court process. So um, that, that's that been a big issue here for a long time uh, with going through the ranches, going through the countryside, which brings a whole host of problems for, for both the migrants and the and the Americans who live down here. And so uh, I, I think it's pretty. This is the second time, actually, that uh, Florida has sent uh, law enforcement and military personnel to to the border. Uh, the first time, I believe, was in 2021, um, near near kind of the beginning of everything. So, uh, with with everything that's still going on with this Texas, as as great as it is, it's just one state, um, and certainly w- could use the the help to to address this. We were told that. What Trump was doing on the border was inhumane, you know, basically border enforcement was inhumane. But what's happening now is not humane. You know, what what, what is happening now with, you know, encouraging the sexual assaults that happen along the way, the amount of people who die. Uh, and then also it's not humane for Americans when we're, we're letting criminals into the country, terrorists into the country. I mean, nothing about this is humane. No. And in and that's why I always take, um, I guess, exception to people who have criticized, especially, you know, particularly people on the left, people have criticized my reporting. It's always fear-mongering or, oh, it's, you know, racist even. And to me, it's like, no, like the reason why I just personally am against illegal immigration is because I've seen the effects of it, and it's not pretty. I mean, I've seen people almost drown uh, in the Rio Grande uh, near Eagle Pass. I've seen... Uh, I saw a woman almost die of heat stroke over in Yuma, Arizona. I mean, it gets. I mean, this is the, we're getting to the summer. It's ninety-four degrees right now. Um, so, whenever you're trying to avoid detection and not traveling illegally, you're going to put yourself in a precarious situation. And that's on top of, like you mentioned, the rapes, the sexual assaults that happen to the. I mean, it happens to the women, happens to the kids, and yeah, even sometimes the men. Uh, because because they can the cartel I mean the, the people who do this they do it because they can I mean it's kind of like the bonus for them on top of extorting them um, I when I was in El Paso for when Title Forty Two was uh, going to expire I went to a shelter and one of the the director of communications or I'm sorry the director of marketing uh, she told me that about uh, no less than eighty percent of the women who come to the shelter um, have been raped or sexually assaulted in some ways. Um, one of the first things that a lot of them ask when they get there is for pregnancy tests. 
uh, so it, it's it's and then the 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 kids get separation anxiety. Um, it takes like three or four days. I mean, they they the kids come in shell shocked uh, essentially. I mean, they 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 just kind of keep to themselves, and it takes three or four days for them to kind of acclimate to a safe environment, and then they kind of start going back to start acting normal. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's. None, none of it has been humane, um, and it, it never illegal immigration never will be. And so, for the U.S. government to have incentivized illegal immigration under this administration is just absolutely disgusting, just from a hu- humanitarian perspective. And sure, yes, a lot of these people have now who have gotten in since 2021. Yeah, they might be living better lives, um, and that's that's a big if. Uh, the the cost that they had to pay for that is very is very high and i i just don't think that that's the way that immigration should be done um you know from from a just a human perspective well and of course it's you know not fair for americans either of having to deal with an influx of people uh you know it's not fair for for them when we already are having so many problems here in the united states you had mentioned the keyword the Biden administration incentivizing this why do you think the Biden administration is incentivizing this i think uh, i so one it's just to be the anti-trump person right i mean that's what he campaigned on he said you know not we're not going to build one more we're not going to build one more foot of the wall we're going to try we're going to halt deportations for 100 days we're going to give everyone free health care and everything so it was i think it was just the the classic reflexive response to just try just be the opposite of trump it doesn't matter what <laughs> what it is it just whatever he was doing just go the opposite because that's what the voters want but that's but then you know they have access to all of this intelligence they have access to all of this things that are much more uh stuff that we even we don't know at, at a reporting level right they, they have all the human sources intelligence they have you know, all the assets and everything so they're they're acutely aware that this isn't the right way for people to be coming to the United States in terms of, again, like what happens to them. And so, but, and yet, and yet they still went ahead and, and, you know, try to say, well, Republicans are the ones that are to blame for this. It's still Trump's fault, which is just absolutely insane for like to hear them say that. Um, and so, but they're doing it because they see a political benefit, right? They, 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 they see the risk of having the Homeland Security Secretary being impeached. They see the, you know, the, I mean, this has been one of the worst polling issues Biden has pulled at is border and immigration um, since um, since he's been in office. It's, it's been one of his worst. I mean, the economy is still kind of number one because obviously that affects everybody. It doesn't matter if you're in a border state or not. But so so they're willing to weather this because they see a political benefit. What that political benefit is, I mean, it's, you kind of have to carefully bring it up, but they think that there's a new voting block here. Um because if they can fast track all these people and give them asylum and then give them citizenship, then maybe, you know, because, because outside of that, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Right. Because again, they, 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 they know how bad it is and yet there's, they still want to move ahead and do it. And so of course with the politics, it's all about, it's all about getting elected and it's all about keeping that power. So that's, for me, that's the only logical explanation and that, and maybe, you know, maybe bribery, but I, I don't have evidence for that. So I'm not going to list that as a reason, but just logically, that that's the only thing that I can really come up with. Oh, that makes sense, and and of course, it's cruel for border patrol agents because you know we're we're putting them in an impossible situation. So it's sad for them and their families as well. And and that's one thing that 
I mean, I've, 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 I've spoken to a lot of border patrol agents since this all started and, and they, they, it's similar to, I mean, just law enforcement in general in this country has just taken such a brutal beating these past few years. Um, with the border, it's obviously a different reason, but it's still the same. It's still the same end where you have a lot of agents leaving. We had the most suicides, uh, within customs and border protection last year. Uh, then since 2009, I think it was, uh, I think it was 14, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, uh, so they're just demoralized because they they're not able to fully do their job. And so, you know, a lot of these guys have worked under multiple administrations. A lot of these guys know what works, right? And so when you when when they are unable to do that, of course, of course, they're going to be demoralized. And so. Uh, that's that's why we've had so many leaks <laughs> come from Border Patrol because they're so frustrated and they can't really speak out publicly. And so they talk to guys like me, Bill Malusian, Ali Bradley, uh, because they 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 are seeing this every single day and they want to get the message out to the rest of the country. Well, and you've covered a lot of these big law enforcement issues, which uh, have been you know really at the forefront of the country, whether it's at the border, which you know you're there now, or it's these riots that you know you covered in the summer of 2020. You've covered a lot of these big issues for town hall, and you recently testified before Congress, I believe, as the Homeland Security uh, Committee. You know, talk about that hearing the purpose of it, and what your message was that day. The hearing was basically to highlight the fact that, yes, there's been violence perpetrated from people on the far right, but there has been also plenty of violence being perpetrated uh, on the far left. And it was to it was to talk about, look, this is what has been happening in the country. And, and what I said is that, you know, if things don't change, if things if if the judicial system and law enforcement agencies are not looking at the far left like they have been looking at the far right um and and to them far right has been parents at school board meetings and pro- like actually peaceful pro life protesters right um if they're not actually trying to take down these 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 antifa cells uh these you know agitating cells that were that I that I saw in action uh, 3 years ago Things like the 2024 presidential election outcome, because like, let's say President Trump wins again. I mean, I, I expect to be as busy, if not more busy, covering that, that the, the, those type of events again, uh, just like I was, I was busy in 2020. And so that, that was my message. My message was I saw a lot of violence in 2020 and a little bit into 2021 uh, being and by people who were Black Lives Matter, Antifa types. And it's a big problem and it can happen again. And so when, when, I mean, even today, uh, Congresswoman uh, Jayapal from Washington today with the whole debt ceiling negotiation, she said that if, if the Biden administration agrees to spending cuts, there's going to be backlash in the streets. Now I don't, Really, I don't really expect that because I don't. I don't think that, you know when it comes to debt ceiling, and you know I don't think a lot of people are going to be so up in arms about that. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? But the fact that she's able to say that and just not really think that it, that would be like an incitement to violence, because I mean, if Trump said that, it'd be it'd be a complete meltdown, right? Um, you know, if I don't get my way, there's gonna be there's gonna be backlash in the streets. So, but so the the left constantly is able to get away with it, and it's because of the lopsidedness of anarcho tyranny that. I mean, it's just insane to see it play out uh, in the country since 2020. But 
it, it, it's a big problem. And, and there's, I, I don't know how many different ways to say it other than Antifa's real. They were violent and the, it, they can be violent again. You know, when you wrote a book about it, fiery but mostly peaceful, the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of America, obviously off of, you know, that CNN, the infamous CNN uh a report with the Chiron reading fiery, but mostly peaceful as, uh, you know, a building was engulfed in flames behind the reporter, just the outright lying to us that the media did. What actually happened, which is a beautiful name. That's just perfect. But what actually happened from what you saw? Obviously, the media didn't give us or the mainstream media didn't give us the story. Yeah, you know, CNN's not great, but they, they gave me the title of my book. So I can't I can't be too harsh on them, I suppose. Um, no. But I mean, so yeah, yeah, thank you, CNN, for that yeah, one. <laughs> the one helpful thing they did. Uh, so I think so that was in Kenosha. That was in Kenosha. And I I really I feel so bad for Kenosha. It's it's a it's your typical blue collar Midwestern town that has been forgotten with this you know globalization of the economy. So they're they're already kind of down on their luck in, in, in some ways. Um, they the 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 whole riot was started over this this police shooting by Jacob Blake and there was a 7 to 10 second video that went viral of you know him getting shot in the back seven times and i mean and so we're already you know fresh off of George Floyd there's been some more riots that have happened i mean portland was kind of the 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 place to be i mean i was there in july covering those riots at the federal courthouse and so this was now august and this happens and the video just spreads like wildfire and I was still in DC. And so right away I saw that video on Sunday evening and I, I emailed my boss at the town hall. I said, Hey, we need, I need to get there. This is a small town between Milwaukee and Chicago. They are not going to be ready for what's coming. And lo and behold, that very night things got out of control. And so the reason, and it, and it stayed out of control for the next few days. And then of course the whole Kyle Rittenhouse situation was born out of that chaos. Um, and, and, and so the reason why I, I, I like to talk about Kenosha a lot, and then, and then you know, the CNN Chiron was from, was from Kenosha, um, is because that riot happened because of a justified police action. This wasn't just – these weren't just cops running around and saying, oh, let's just shoot this black guy that we just randomly see. No, it was the, the mother of the children who were in the backseat of the SUV had called the police because he, he was violating the restraining order she had out against him, or protective order uh, that he had out against him for a sexual assault. Uh, he was in the process of kidnapping her kids, taking away her kids, and he was armed with a knife. And, and so, but of course, you know, that, that took time to, to figure out. But in that time, 50, at least $50 million of damage was done. Some businesses were closed primarily, others relocated out of, out of where they were destroyed. And then, like I said, you know, the whole Kyle Rittenhouse situation was born. Um, and you know, yeah, he shot in self-defense. But I mean, that was just like another kind of splinter off that caused, you know, another big, great debate uh, in the country. And so I'm not saying it could have been totally avoided, but I, it's just that because of the environment that we were in, we were just constant, we're just going to react first and find out later, a lot of bad things can happen. And so when when, when you look at the broader picture of – you know, when we talk about January 6th and people like to view those two as two separate things and, and they are because, you know, they happen differently in, in different ways, but they, they were still the same. It was still the same tangent because people who wanted to be violent that day saw how people on the left 
were violent for months on end with very little repercussions. So of course they're, and I'm not defending them, but I'm just saying that the, 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 their logic was, well, if they can do it, so can we. And so that's why it's dangerous to allow lawlessness to be pervasive for so long, because it's not going to always be just one side doing it. Obviously the left was the predominant one for, for 2020, but then January 6th happened. And then of course now that's where Democrats, that's the only thing they want to talk about. But it, it, it's this, it's this kind of, it's just this escalation that, that has now kind of simmered. But in, in my time since then, covering crime in places like Chicago and, and Philadelphia and all, all these other places, the, the anger is still very palpable. And, and, and the, 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 the chaos is, it's, it's a low intensity chaos, but people's quality of life are still largely, are still very much affected by what happened three years ago, because now um, police forces are chronically understaffed. Uh, the criminal element, uh, the regular criminal element is more emboldened than ever. I mean, it, it's insane what people are able to just get away with. And it's because just this, la- it's just like this apathy. It's this malaise that has inf- infected so many of our cities where now where all it takes is like in Chicago a few weeks ago, all it takes is it to be a nice warm spring day for for people to just go crazy and, and, and have a riot in the heart of the downtown. I'm, I'm from the Chicago area. Like, I mean, the loop, the loop is historically was always the safest place. And now that's no longer the case. So it, it's, it's, it's all connected and we're still dealing with the effects and we will continue to deal with the effects until major changes are made. I just don't, I just, I just don't see that happening. Quick commercial break. More with Julio. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've reached this point where the left has come to the conclusion that, you know, you had mentioned Jacob Blake and a justified police shooting. We've reached this point where, to the left, in their eyes, criminals are victims. And then if you dare to defend yourself like Daniel Penny did, he's the criminal. How did we get here in this, you know, upside down scenario? We got here partly because, I, I mean, the, the left is very good at using the the racism label um, because, I mean, look, I mean, from, from the time I was little, right, I, we were taught to not be racist and because obviously, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason to. Um, and so we... But but the problem is that that's been weaponized, and so right with with Daniel Penny, uh, and, and that whole case, the, there's there's no there was no indication for racism to have played a part in that, and there still isn't, and yet it has been used again by the same hustlers, race hustlers, as another example of oh even though this wasn't a cop, you know this was still a white guy taking down a black guy for no reason and which of course that's that's not the case at all and you know the video that was taken shows that and the eyewitnesses say that's not what happened and also the fact that it wasn't just daniel penny it was two other people one of them was black who was restraining um neely so we we got here because the it, it it's kind of the the ultimate culmination of of things like critical race theory and 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 wokeness where it's it races the end all be all and that's the only thing that matters and we have to do these very radical uh, steps and 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 policies to try to atone for these things that happened a long time ago even though it doesn't even make any sense and even though people who end up being hurt by those same policies are minorities i mean the minority communities within cities are being plagued by crime right and and as i said during my testimony and Capitol Hill, it, it, statistically, if I'm if I'm in Washington D.C. or Chicago or Philadelphia or or, you know, or New York City, I'm not going to be attacked, shot, or carjacked by a white supremacist in a MAGA hat. I mean, that that's I mean, look, anything can happen, but statistically, that's not that's not the day to day threats that people are facing, um, especially the minority communities. So we're we're, we're here because. Is people just people lost? Uh, people really just lost their mind in 2020 between COVID, the riots, and and the presidential election. And I, I, that's why I don't see that there's a really easy way back to that because it just affected so many parts of our lives today. For some for better, but mostly for worse. Um, so I'm just I'm really concerned about where this country is headed, uh, and I always have been. I was thinking when you mentioned the the MAGA hat that they're not going to be attacked by you know a white supremacist in the MAGA hat. I, I thought of unless you're Jesse Smollett, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at three a.m. in the middle of a windstorm, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why you know all of this gets to this desire and encouraging of lawlessness, and why do you think the left desires and encourages lawlessness? 
I think it's just because it's also dealing with the fact that they hate the United States as it is. And of course, you know, the United States is not perfect. It never will be. Um, however, that doesn't mean that it's still, still uh, um, one of the great, better places to live. I mean, the whole reason why I have a border crisis is because a lot of people want to get in, right? <laughs> they want to cut the line. Um, but because it, it speaks to just the fact that a lot of the, the people who are, you know, they say that, you know, the United States as a whole is irredeemable. And so therefore it's kind of, we have to just smash everything and start completely from scratch in these radical ways. Um, and so I, I think they view this as a perfect way to try to, again, enact this sort of, because with the whole Neely situation, um, you know, this guy had been arrested 40 times and he was mentally unstable. He was, he was violent and yet he was still out on the streets. He should have been institutionalized, but that didn't happen. And so uh, then this whole situation happened, and now the left is saying, "Aha! See, because of because of this, we now need to do X, Y, and Z." It's like, well, well, hold on, hold on. Like, let's take a step back. Like, like, why, why did that happen, and 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 why was that allowed to happen? Because in, in some ways, it was. It, but it, he was failed by people who should have known better. Especially, I mean, also his family apparently now was showing up, even though they didn't show up for him when he needed it most, right? Um, so I think it's because they, they use it to their advantage, right? I mean, Ron Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, the riots proved that the COVID proved that because, you know, they were able to make so many sweeping changes and, you know, increasing authority. I mean, you had the CDC halting, uh, evictions, which is like, well, you're the CDC. Where, where do you get that kind of power? Well, it's COVID. So we have it. It's like, well, I, so I think it's just, they, they, they want to radically transform the United States, including like the criminal justice system, because again, it's systemically racist. So we have to. And so we're going to do it this way. And so by allowing, you know, people having to be put in situations that maybe they shouldn't be in, you're going to force these issues. Uh, and then they're going to take that and, and run with it because like, aha, see racism. The only place I would disagree with you was, uh, which I don't think you're making the direct correlation, is just with January 6th, obviously, we're learning more and more about the FBI's involvement and potentially orchestrating it, and then also being there that day. And then we know that the FBI intentionally manipulated that data relating to January 6th to paint the picture that domestic terrorism is on the rise so they can then spy on more American citizens. And we also know recently that the FBI abused uh, their spy powers to, to target the folks involved in January 6th. So that would be my, to, to our knowledge, you know, we don't know the FBI was involved in anything with the 2020 summer riots. So that would be my only, but I, I know that you weren't making that direct comparison, but that would be the only thing I would add to that about, you know, some of the stuff we're finding out about the FBI. January 6th was just the weirdest riot I had ever covered, right? And I've, I've covered many. And, and more importantly, January 6th was preventable. Um, it's the fact that the Capitol Police were so ill-prepared and the fact that Democrats don't want to ask why they were. Because, again, we're we're coming off this whole season of, of violence. And everyone knew how you know passionate people felt about the 2020 election. And so like you wouldn't think you'd be better prepared for crowd control. Instead, you're going to run the same playbook of having officers in non-riot gear behind the easily movable bike rack barricades. I mean, it's just... From my perspective, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So, yeah, no, like there's a lot of weird things about January 6th for sure. And I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, even 
um, I was in the rotunda. Uh, that's as far as I got in during, during that day. And, you know, a lot, I'm assuming a lot of people didn't even one anticipate getting that far, but also two, they, they weren't acting like normal rioters in the sense, cause you know, the rotunda is a very beautiful part of the, of the building. It's one of the you know parts where they take tours. And so people were just like taking photos of the paintings and, and the statues inside and, you know, taking pictures of the, of, of the dome, you know, the inside. And, and my colleague, Richard McGinnis, he found two guys smoking weed <laughs> inside, inside the rotunda. So it was just like, it was like, that's not, I mean, in my experience, that's just not typical rioter behavior. And actually a colleague of mine pointed out, like, you know, if this was like Antifa who had done this, they'd be, they'd be setting things on fire. They'd be tearing out the paintings. They'd be like bashing the statues. I'm like, actually, you're right. Um, and again, that's not to say there wasn't violence. There was, but it just that that was just one of the th- weird things about about that day. And, and looking, and I was trying to like recount that, you know, as as the days went on. I'm looking, I was thinking like, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. Like, why why did that play out the way it, it did? What do you think actually happened that day, having been there, and then also with some of this other stuff we're learning? What does your gut tell you? What does your research tell you? There was definitely provocateurs inside the crowd because here's the thing about Antifa. They are very good at what they do in terms of hiding their identity, um, trying to prevent people from recording their destructive acts. Because, of course, if you're going to you know, do that and you have, you, know, you have your face identifiable, then police are going to come after you. Well, you know, maybe not in Portland, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's what's supposed to happen. So, again, with, with – I mean, a lot of the people that I saw inside the building, you know, they were, they weren't wearing masks. They, they were live streaming on their personal, you know, social media pages. And, and I didn't know this until afterwards, but, but from what I saw, the people who were trying to get in were like trying to break in. But we also know that a large number of people were also let in by the Capitol Police. They opened the door for them. And a lot of people just, you know, kind of filed in through there. So it's just like, what, again, you have all this going on. And so you're, you're like, who gave the order or whose decision it was to just open the door? It, 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 again, it just doesn't make sense. So I think a lot of people who ended up in the Capitol didn't anticipate getting as far as they did. I mean, one of the first, one of the first people who were, who was convicted of a felony in the aftermath by the, you know, charged by the DOJ and all that, he wasn't. He was. He was charged with just trespassing because he 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 made it to the Senate chamber, so he walked in the Senate chamber and then he walked out. I mean, so he wasn't accused of committing any violence. He wasn't accused of attacking any police officers. The only thing that he was charged with was basically trespassing on federal property. But but the DOJ wanted to throw terrorism. You're like they said, we we need the full maximum sentence because this was a terrorist act of terrorism. Yada yada yada. The guy said he was sorry and, and all that. So it's like. Why, like, why would that happen, right? And so, and then we look at the video that Tucker had had put out again. That just doesn't make sense with Jacob Chansley, um, and kind of the narrative that was built around him. And and so again, I'm not trying to excuse bad behavior, but when I look at the riots I saw in Portland, and the local DA DA office dropped 80% of the cases that was brought to them during that time period. It's just like, it doesn't make really either we have an equal justice system or we don't. And it's clear with these, just, just those two examples is that we, we really don't. 
Well, we, we definitely don't at this moment, but we need to get it back or, or we're going to lose our country because, you know, you can't have a, a constitutional republic when you have an unequal application of, of the law. It just doesn't add up. You're a Marine. Do you think being a Marine, do you think that's prepared you for all this coverage? And, you know, I mean, you've really been on the front lines of uh, so many important issues in the country. Do you think that prepared you for it? In some ways, yeah. Obviously, they're they're two different um, jobs, but I mean, just the key is to just remain, you know, slow, smooth, smooth as fast, um, because it's very easy uh, to be kind of caught up in the the moment in terms of with all with your adrenaline rushing. Things are going, things are happening. There's tear gas, there's fireworks, IEDs, or you know, whatever things are going off. And so, my job is in those situations is to one, just gather video, you know, get it on video because that that's king for right now and now of course ai might have something to say about that but uh it's obviously you you have to be able to maintain your cool um and i think i definitely think my marine corps background helped me with with that although i often joke that i saw more action in my capacity as a journalist than as a marine because i i never deployed i was just in for for six years but i i think it for sure helped me get into the mindset of of facing adversity and and a common saying that we have is you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and so you know these were 12 13 14 hour days with 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 my plate carrier my backpack helmet gas mask and so it was it was it was grueling i mean it was grueling work um and i i was happy to do it but i was you know i'm just exhausted at the end of the day, and depending on what was happening, it's like, okay, we're gonna have to start all over again. And, you know, of course, it's, you know, you can cry about it later, or whatever. But you know, there's, there's, there's a job that needs to be done. And, you know, people are counting on you to do it well. And so that, that kind of ethos, uh, and that kind of work ethic that the Marine Corps instilled in me definitely uh, helped me out in that regard. Julio Rosas, you're doing great work. Senior writer for Town Hall, author of Fiery But Mostly Peaceful. Everyone go check that out. Appreciate you taking the time to join the show and just talk about some of the experiences that you've had on on so many of these important issues to the people at home. Thank you so much for having me. So that was Julio Rosas with Town Hall. He's a senior writer for Town Hall, also the author of Fiery But Mostly Peaceful. Uh, amazing name for a book. Great conversation with him. Appreciate him taking the time to join the show. Thank you for listening to the show. I want to thank John Cassio as well, my producer, for putting this together. As always, every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I love reading those and seeing the ratings. Thanks so much. Take care. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.